The year 1953, a plane touches down at Smithy's Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. This is part two of Cold Joy and the Joy Boys. If you've already listened to part one, thanks for listening. And here's part two of Cold Joy and the Joy Boys. Bye, 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 baby, goodbye. I gotta get a gun, bye, 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 baby, goodbye. See in the morning at a break of day Just a little kiss and I'll be on my way Bye, 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 baby, goodbye And when I see her in the morning light I feel the same as in the dark of night She is my everything and I'm proud of
Well, over the time, you recorded over 50 singles, 30 EPs, and 40 albums. So obviously, we can't go through all your songs. As I said, we'd be here for months. But another great song that you recorded is the uh, is the Buddy Holly and the Cricket song, Think It Over. A fantastic oh, like version. One? Fantastic version of the song. It is a good version, isn't it? I uh, haven't heard it for a long time, but I recall the song, Think It Over, what you just said. Think it over in your pretty little head. Yeah, I recall that. fortunate in enough that uh, we were fortunate that there was so much material coming out and uh, we had our top 40s here that it started uh, we were able to pick and choose then but of course I said early in the piece the only one that got those kind of records was uh, John O'Keefe. Well you are uh, you tour New Zealand with Bobby Rydell and you're able to pick the brains of his manager Frankie Day about how the music industry works and the longevity of recording stars. When you return to Australia, you set up your own management company and start to shape the careers of people such as Judy Stone and, as you mentioned, the Bee Gees. Over time, you start promoting your own tours and you even set up your own recording label and, and recording studios, ATA. It's a long way from uh, 16 Candles. <laughs> it certainly was. Well, we were very fortunate because, uh, as you say, you've got to, you learn as you go along. Um, we started a publishing company and the, the record label. Um, record label come about pretty much so because Festival used to run lean and mean. When we had those hit records, they were doing good and they were able to purchase, well, a new typewriter, I knew that. <laughs> but um, when they got lean and mean, they, out came a new machine called a four-track um, machine and I said, well, we've got to get one of these if we're going to compete. No, we couldn't afford a four-track machine. And uh, there was some other things going on that I wasn't happy with. So we left and we built our own four-track machine. And, of course, a rival company that was very rich, they got three four-track machines, real ones. Okay. I mean, we made ours out of an, an old 
a desk of some kind and, and cut our own wobbly things. But we made some hits on that. Then we so they we bought we made an eight track, and of course the other company bought three eight tracks, an Ampex U Butte ones. But while we while they were still four track, we made our eight track, and people would record four tracks down there and come up to our studio. So they bought three eight tracks, and then we made a sixteen track machine, and they bought three sixteen track machines. <laughs> And because they were a big company, EMI, he used to call us Mickey Mouse Studios or something. And um, then later on, of course, we 24-track came out. But before that, you put everything down in one go and that was it. But 24-track and then um, we learned that things like uh, Good Vibrations by the uh, Beach Boys, 96 tracks. And we wow. thought, how do they do that? <laughs> but nowadays they can use 196 tracks and, and still retain uh, good quality and so forth although i'm not a fan not a fan of the digital uh, signal my ears uh, which has shot the ribbons anyway but they never did get used to that square wave it was was nice to listen to when you were recording it but i always had trouble it just lost a lot of warmth that we used to get out of the analog and a lot of analog machines now turning up again being used and recording as um, a lot of vinyls are now being uh, reissued as uh, the younger generation are find out that uh, you have a record player. That digital necessarily isn't better. No, yes, yes, so that's it. But mainly uh, uh, the whole speaking system and that have got better, of course, and so you get better reproduction, but that the, the warmth of that other one, we only listen through a little radio or a car radio, but even the car radios now have got some amazing uh, equipment in them. So we've come a long way in one respect, but we've lost a bit in another respect. In the early 60s, you're still recording. You've got hit singles on the ARIA charts, songs like Sweet Dreams of You and Starlight of Love. One that didn't chart but I think is a fantastic song is the gospel-inspired tune, Put Em Down. Ah, oh, Put Them Down. Oh, yes. Well... That was outside of our, out of our tenure, so I say. And whenever I've stepped outside of that, we haven't done so good. Uh, with Bobby Rydell. Well, chart-wise, it hasn't done so good, but the disc that's, that's oh, cut yes. down is fantastic. Yeah, but the radio, if the radio doesn't pick up on it or something and that people don't get to hear it, then nothing happens. But we tried to, we recorded a couple of songs trying to emulate a Bobby Rydell-type situation. Come on, we're gonna round up our blues. 
Well, first of all, let's go back to Sweet Dreams of You, Don Gibson. I'm a great Don Gibson fan. That was the first Australian record to use of, of, of this ilk to use strings on. Okay. Sweet dreams of you Every night I go through Why can't I forget you And start my life anew Instead of having sweet dreams about you And what was the other one after? Uh, Starlight of Love. Starlight of Love is the first time that a ukulele had been used on it and also written by Barry Gibb and the Bee Gees do the backing in it. mentioned Frankie Day earlier. Frankie was an old bass player and he was managing Don, um, Bobby Rydell, whom I owe, I owe a phone call to. He's not real well. He's still smoking. He's got a new liver, and um, um, but he still knocks himself about sm- uh, cigarette-wise. Right. Okay, yep. um, uh, but Frankie Day and I used to sing. Uh, in those days, when the artists would come out, they didn't have backing groups or anything like that, and, you, and the Joy Boys would be the backing band. Nowadays, of course, 
you get what they call a rider, which says I want three cases of champagne of this particular kind, four bottles of whiskey, and, da, 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 and they bring a whole uh, heap of people with them. In those days, they didn't. They just so Bobby Rydell would be singing Volare, and Frankie Day and I would be off stage with us going Yeah, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. I'd be singing the melody bit, and he'd be singing the harmony. It was a two-piece backing group on the on the recording. Of course, they'd have eight girls singing and so forth. But that's how that was done in those days, the live shows. And um, but they were still quite spontaneous, and they got away with it. Well, the commercial success of Cold Joy and the Joy Boys cannot be denied. It's in the history books, and and you've sold a truckload of records, ten truckloads of records. But as we mentioned before, the musicianship of the Joy Boys, it can't be understated. The Joy Boys even had their own hit records in their own right. Southern, Southern Rora, Smokey Mokes, Murphy the Surfy, Whistlin' Rufus, they all made the charts, but their biggest hit was Istanbul. number three on the charts that shows how how well received they were as a band oh yes but what a good record uh, was um um southern rora was a good record for them But they were just a good group, and they were just far ahead. I wouldn't say that Bogey was the best drummer in the world, but he, as is um, Ringo Starr, is not the best drummer in the world, but they play what is necessary, and they don't overplay. Uh, Norm Day was a good player with the, with the Joy Boys. Ronnie Patton on sax uh, used to be with Dig Richards and the RJs, and, uh, but nobody could control him. Because Ronnie, every time it was a full moon, he'd go around the corner too. <laughs> but uh, uh, but what a sax player! I stood him against big horn, a uh, big Jim Horn, and all those people, top sax players. And as far as saxophone solos, he'd blow him off the map. He didn't read uh, music very well, but he had a magic ear. So, and so between them all, and Keith on bass, Keith only plays what was necessary. Uh, a bit like McCartney, he plays a lot of pedal notes. He stays down there. He doesn't do anything flash. 
he does enough to carry the um, the song. Although he played good ukulele, I saw him recently in New York. He played the ukulele and so forth there. Maybe he's not singing as well, but he still gets away with it and, and what a wealth of material they've got to pick from. Oh, exactly. But the Joy Boys, yeah, they, they were certainly um, all, all through – We've had we've been blessed with good musicians. Kevin obviously is well known for his stuff he did outside of being in the Joy Boys, but as a piano player, he he was fantastic. He kept it kept it humming along, that's for sure. Oh yeah, yes, he played good rhythm, good rhythm piano, um, because piano didn't play a lot of uh, uh, in that type of music. Didn't play a lot of solo stuff. So um, uh, with the rest of it, uh, as a feel, yes, he had a great feel. And of course, one player doesn't make the group. They were all good. Did you? Well, did you ever play on any of the recordings of the the Joy Boys instrumentals? Yeah. Was, yep. Okay. Yeah, I played on one in Japan. They, the Joy Boys recorded in Japan. They did a whole heap of Japanese hits, and they upgraded them. Now, when we were going to Japan that many many years ago, there was no Western style players. Uh, the Japanese are they're great musicians. They have. And this is in the early 60s, isn't yes, it? Yes, yep. but they didn't have the feel. And so a lot of them used to come down to King Records and watch the Joy Boys record. And, of course, some of the songs I'd go and sit in and play on, because. but I was never terribly flash and didn't play a lot of that kind of thing. And I recall one track we were doing, the Joy Boys were playing, and I said, no, it's got to have something else in the bottom end here. And, and I said, I'll play this. So off I start. And then, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that works. Then after a while, my fingers would get tired and I do 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 And one of the producers come in and he said, I don't wish to say, but you audience, which means get out of here, you're dragging <laughs> it back. So I said, okay, thanks. So I'm sitting in behind the uh, operating room there uh, with the console and so forth. And they were speaking away in Japanese and speaking away in Japanese. And he came over and he said, uh, I would like to say, you musician, means <laughs> go in and play that bit again. It will stop it halfway through and you can have a rest and we'll pick it up there. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't wish to say, but your audience means you're out of here. But yes, a lot of them I did. I played rhythm guitar on. With the tour of Japan, how successful was that? Oh, we'd do fine. We did fine in Japan. We did, um, we'd play shows at 9 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock. The Japanese audiences were, were good, but mainly over there we'd play, I mean, eight out of ten or seven out of ten shows we'd do to Americans because Americans had bases in jo- uh, Johnson Air Base and there'd be eight or ten clubs there and they'd had um, Yokota Naval Base and they had different na- uh, different bases there. There was a heap of American clubs and uh, so you'd do a show at, six, at nine o'clock and twelve o'clock and three o'clock and six o'clock nine o'clock and if you wanted to do a midnight show you could and because we worked out americans are great audiences they listen and plus they like songs about their homeland when they're stuck over in a a foreign country so we worked out pretty early how to handle american audiences and we could work 116 shows a day for americans they'd book you from one club to come straight up to another club and like two or three hours later but to the Japanese audiences, yeah, the, the Joy Boys did fine too because uh, they learned some Japanese songs and so forth. And and uh, basically, overall, rock and roll was pretty new to, to Japanese as well. A lot of the uh, young people coming up were trying to learn English. You'd walk down the street and you'd have 20 kids following us and trying to speak English to you. 
Um, so they were, they were good to us. For, we did quite a few over there. Um, they never did do us any harm. Well, you mentioned uh, before with John Bogie, he, he released his own single in the Persian market. And um, so we'll have a listen to that. And also your association with guitarist Dave Bridge goes back to, as you said before, back to the old jeweler shop days. And uh, as a guitarist, Dave was a trailblazer, one of those guys that was a guitar hero in Australia. Dave Bridge cut his teeth on the early songs at the time when he was learning. But once again, sitting with the Joy Boys, you had a whole new perspective of things. And it changed a great deal of the way he's playing because he was, he was always a good player. It just, everybody sort of moulded into one and uh, they they it just it just changed everything and that was the feel of the group and that's how how it, it stayed and that's why it was so successful so they'd go through a couple of times and they'd no this doesn't work this works this is better and uh, so Dave's way of playing changed but he was always a good player well we'll have a listen now to a, a track that Dave did in around 2010 still got the blues
your association, as we mentioned before, the Gibb family goes back to the very beginning. You gave these guys their first start. I'm not saying that they wouldn't have wouldn't have got to where they got to without your help, but you opened the doors for them, and 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 they they busted through the doors. Initially, of course, it was uh, um, they worked hard. They were natural talent, uh, as was Andy Gibb, the younger brother. Andy was going to be a fourth BG, and Barry said, "No, that's that's silly because you've got a talent, you've got a sound, um, you should be out on your own." He said. Uh, uh, and Andy was in London. They'd gone to London at the time and, um, and were doing quite well. And Stigwood, who also had a magic ear for a song. And so he said, they said, get back out to Australia and learn the craft. And so Andy come back out and stayed, stayed with us for a piece and we looked after him. And, of course, uh, uh, he was writing songs by then and, uh, and touring. He used to borrow my wife's car to go if he was going any great lengths of things, they they went to Adelaide to do it. He, he had a manager, uh, Tony, and uh, he took a job in in Adelaide. We said, Adelaide, you're going there for one night. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be good for us. And so they borrowed Dallas's Austin A40 and, and they all got to Adelaide. They played the show. The promoter took through, shot through with all the money and they got nothing. So they made it back to a place in, I think it was Deniloquin in, uh, in Victoria on the way back. And I got a phone call. Uh, he said, we're running out of petrol. We've, we're in Deniloquin and, uh, and we've got no money and we, we're hungry and uh, we've got no money for petrol. And I said, uh, go down to the local police station and get the sergeant to call me. And the sergeant called me. He said, uh, yeah, 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 cold joy. Yes, yeah. what's the trouble? I said, listen. These boys have got no money and no nothing. I said, can you put them up for the night? He said, oh, yeah, the cells are empty. He said, yeah, they can stay here. And I said, give them some money and I'll fix you up. And he said, yeah, yeah, fine, all right, I'll fix. Well, he gave them some money. They stayed overnight in the cells <laughs> and uh, then they had breakfast and he gave them money and filled their cars up and sent them up. And uh, I sent him some money down. He said, no, no, I don't want it, but I sent him money down. Um, uh, I hope he got it because I just made a sergeant in charge of the Nilliquin police station and I'm going back, what, 30 or 40 years or something or other. But Andy did it. He did his homework and he, he was, became a good performer. But once again, of course, the drug problem is a bad problem to any performer uh, and most of them suffer in the long run. And whereas Andy just got himself clean, but his heart gave out and that was the end of that. But we've lost a lot of ones like that. I was watching a thing the other night and I've, I've got a lot of favourite blues singers, the Aretha Franklins and the Bessie Smiths and those people. But um, I don't think any of them come up to Janis Joplin as a blues singer. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, but once again, what a loss, 27 and gone. Yep. And Mama Cash had a good sound about it too. So that drug problem got the better of them. And uh, fortunately, the, we never had that problem. We never came through that era. Uh, the Joy Boys, and they'd drink the national debt if it was there. Yes. But otherwise, they, they'd go without it. And, um, and drug never started here until R&R came in from the Vietnam mob. Um, and, of course, that kicked it along. And from there, the whole thing changed. And... Uh, and we got a whole new lot of people on the other side that came in uh, once the drug started and we had these little um, different lots of people uh, had their little pockets of, that were seldom and, um, and it's never got any better. It's still out there now. But we were fortunate we didn't fall into that hole. But later on, of course, it uh, become a world problem and, uh, and uh, 
Andy was one that succumbed to that from the Gibb boys. But overall, they gave us some great music and some great memories. Well, Barry uh, gave you a song, Love Is Blind, or wrote a song that you recorded, Love Is Blind. Yeah, what a good song. Well, he, he obviously loves it because he uh, still continues to play that song live 60 years on after writing it. So we'll have a listen to that song now. Silent night, a lonely night. I didn't mean to wake you up. I was leaving anyway. We never asked each other why. We only made each other cry When the day becomes the night And all that I have left inside Is scattered on the wind Didn't I give you all that love can bring? Didn't I give you more than everything? You know it hurts too and like this when we came so far Don't tell me love is blind Cause I know what I see Tell me how you walk away When all you know is me And all we might have been what we left behind Who never let a living person tell you Love is blind Love is And again, to have, have a song by, written by a BG, it's another feather in your cap. It's a problem. It's a problem because Barry sent me Lovers Blind. And then the feel he got on that with just him and his guitar and a small group, I couldn't get that thing. It was like when I produced their early records. I had their sound in my head, but I couldn't produce it. I was just, that wasn't my, I couldn't, I wasn't up to it. And even though when he sent me Lovers Blind, and I recorded, I think, is it in his phrasing? Is it in his sound? What is it? I recorded that, I think, twice. And I still think it's a good record, but I heard it a few months back and I thought, maybe I should do the vocal again and see if I can improve it. But I'm not going to, as I get on, I don't think I'm going to improve much. Yeah. Well, comparing yourself to one of the greatest singers of all time and Barry Gibb, you're doing yourself a disservice because, and as, as we've mentioned, you've you've recorded some amazing songs over the time and and for instance i love your take on little richards she's got it you know that's a that's a great <laughs> song yeah yeah fancy attacking a little richards song a man must have been mad but going back to lovers blind i think andy did that as a duet also with olivia okay uh, so it's oh i know um conway twitty had a hit record with it too so um they're all <laughs> mine's still laying around there but getting back to the other one you just mentioned uh, um, She's yeah, got to it. tackle a Little Richard song is suicidal because Little Richard, he's out there. I remember one stage I wanted to bring out a show of Little Richard, Chuck Berry and Jerry Lee Lewis, also with Con- uh, Connie Francis, whom I, with whom I work, and the other ones. And the lawyer said that looked after him, and he said, well, if you want to get all those lunatics together, I can get them for you because <laughs> Little Richard had his funny ways, Chuck Berry had his funny ways. Jerry Lee 
had his funny ways, and I guess I had mine too, but just <laughs> the same. I, I used to think they were, whoa, different. So to tackle a little Richard, uh, um, I mean, he, he laid it down. He sang it and he and uh, he he got his he put his own stamp on all those kind of things. And even though Elvis covered a few of his things as well, but they were just even though I was an Elvis fan, and I don't think people really credited Elvis with such a good uh, he was such a good vocalist. But uh, there's some songs you shouldn't tackle, tackle and uh, <laughs> some of them were Little Richard songs. Well, as I said, you're a you're a white fella born in in Sydney, grew up in East Hills, and for for a white fella from East Hills, I think you did a fantastic <laughs> version of that song. Yeah, when in doubt, cheat. <laughs> a pretty little girl that lives down the street. Some people say she's square, but I think she's sweet. You can see her every day strolling up and down the way, looking so pretty. And this is what I say: she's got it. Cheek to cheek, she's no square, she's got it. Oh, baby, she's got it. Yeah, oh, baby, she's got it. I can't do without her. Ruby lips, shapely hips. When she walks down the street, all the cats flip. She's got it. Oh, baby, she's got it. Ooh, baby, she's got it. I can't do without her. She loves to sing, hot rod queen. Real gone in everything. She's got it. And I mentioned before the uh, the Joy Boys, I think are best when they're putting their their foot to the floor, pumping the accelerator down to the floor, and and letting it all hang out. Another example of this when you guys uh, do do a version of Shake Rattle and Roll. Wearing those dresses with your hair done up so nice. Wearing those dresses with your hair done up so nice. Well, you look so warm, but your heart's as cold as ice. I said shake, rattle and roll, shake, rattle and roll, shake, rattle and roll, shake, rattle and roll, when you never do nothing to save your doggone soul. Once again, when I listen back to them, I can pick holes in them. But we thought at the time that was the, the way that we thought it should be played. Haley had a, a great sound to him, and he was a uh, he was a country singer, and he had good players. And see, out of the swing era that came in before rock and roll, there were some great players. But suddenly, it changed to rock and roll. Now all those good players, they couldn't get a gig, they couldn't get arrested anymore. Nobody wanted to hear that Tommy Dorsey's and those kind of people. So your people. Like Rudy Pompilli, who was a great saxophone player, he slid in with uh, Bill Haley, 
And as did Frenny Beecham, the guitar player, although Frenny didn't play the, the, the solo on Rock Around the Clock, the other fella did before Frenny come and joined them. But all those people, they had steel guitar, they had um, Rudy, they had um, a slap bass player that was a country player, and anybody that played keyboards, they'd come out of that swing era. And even if you listen to a song called uh, Johnny Be Good by, by Chuck Berry, you think it's all guitar. But when you listen in the background, you have a piano walking down playing a swing against that. And it, it worked. And that's why they got all that great sound. We didn't know that. <laughs> we didn't listen because we had nobody to teach us and say, no, this, this is what you should do. Nowadays, if I'm producing anything for anybody, which I don't do much nowadays anyhow, I make sure that the bass is correct. And the kick drum is correct and make sure that those two sounds are going to match in with one another, that the kick drum doesn't kill the, the sound of the bass because the bass is the basic to the chord. So all these other things, and it's got a swing. It doesn't matter what it is, it's got a swing. So your bass and, your, and all those things have got to sit in their niche. In those days, we just played it. We played it in the studio like we played it on stage and um, it doesn't necessarily work. But we got it right a few times. Yeah, you sure did. Well, another chart hit for you was a song called Raise Your Hand. <laughs> oh, another one stepping outside. Another one stepping outside of the genre of what you should be doing it. I want to see everybody that's had a broken heart. Raise your hand Raise your hand Don't be ashamed now Raise your hand I want to see everybody that's been hurt inside Let me see you Raise your hand Sing these words now Things will get better by and by I want to see everybody that's been hurt inside Raise your hand Raise your hand Don't be ashamed to admit it Raise your hand And everybody that's had a, a cry late at night Come on, let me see you Raise your hand Things will get better by and by You know that people in this whole And love will find its way home to you Yeah, yeah, yeah Everybody that feels a little like shouting Come on, let me hear you Who was the main female backing singer wailing away on that song? Claire Poole Okay, fantastic Claire Poole, who, whom we lost um, not so long back Who was uh, making records well before I started Probably eight or ten years before And um, the Claire Poole singers were synonymous to a lot of the Tonight shows because you can give them a newspaper and they'd sing it. They they could read music like it. And also, um, um, so Claire taught so many, gave so many people a chance by bringing them into the singers and saying, no, this is the way it's got to be phrased here and, and done. So uh, that was uh, Claire Poole. Another song I did had Nancy Icorn on, um, also had a very high um, soprano voice. Then later on, of course, one of the better ones 
was a girl called um, Andrew Mahobrak, who was married to Larry, who used to do all the big sessions in America. And there was her and the sisters called the Wills Sisters, and they'd read anything as well. So people like Aretha and those, if they wanted a particular sound and they were doing a, a record, they'd book the Wills Sisters, and plus, because they read everything, then they'd book three or four other girls that just had natural harmonies and put them all in together. But uh, Claire was one of the better ones, yeah. One of the biggest hits of your career came 15 years after your last number one, when Heaven Is My Woman's Love takes the top spot on the ARIA charts and is one of the biggest selling songs of 1974. How did you come to record this song? The song was given to me by a fellow that I'd met many years before in, uh, in 2VM Moree. His name was Nick Irby. Nick's been great for country music overall and never got the kudos due to him but he was great for country music and um, he came up with a song of Heaven Is My Woman's Love by Tommy Overstreet he said I think this song's got you written all over it he said uh, you'd probably do it a bit different to what Tommy did he said but it's a good song and we did I took it further to the right and made it more of a poppy kind of feel and then even when I recorded it I played it for my younger brother Keith and I said what do you think and he said oh I think the bass line is, is wrong. I think you've, you've doubled up on it and you should be doing singles on that. So he said, I'll come in and redo it. So he did that. So it went a boom, 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 boom. So again, heaven is my woman's love of boom, 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 boom. So then it swung. So a fella called Mike Willis, he was doing a thing called This Day Tonight. And he said, has you got anybody in the studio over there? I said, yeah, me. And he said, we want to come over and just shoot a bit. And I said, okay. Good. So I did a bit of vocal of Heaven Is My Woman's Love over the top. He played it on this day tonight, and next week it was up there. So that was a right place, right time. Lucky, lucky, lucky Colin. Heaven is my woman's love Gently rising with the sun she gives me cause to face the day And brings me joy when day is done Heaven is my woman's love Heaven is the way I live She gives me all the love she can And then somehow finds me When I see her in the morning light I feel the same as in the dark of night She is my everything and I'm proud of The heaven of my woman's love Heaven is my woman's love Gently reaching out for me all she wants is what I am Searching not for what I'll be Heaven is my woman's love Happiness is what she gives As long as she's with me I'll find Heaven every day I live when I see her in the morning light I feel the same 
but it must have given you a good kick along to think, well, hang on, 15 years down the track, I'm still, uh, I'm still on top of the game. Yeah, well, what happens was you come in and out of favour. Like O'Keefe and I dropped out of favour when the Beatles come along. We couldn't get arrested. We were singing, we could still sing our hit records, but suddenly become a group thing. The Joy Boys would sing the, the Beatles songs and so forth. Now I've got to go on and sing my songs, but the Beatles songs were more popular because they were new and they were fresh. Every, everything new gets old and you have your time in where you're hot as a buccaneer's pistol and then suddenly the cooling period is on. And we had a cooling period. I thought I made some good records in between, but they never saw the light of day. And no doubt John did too, I'm not sure. But when Heaven East came along, it was the right song at the right time. And sometimes against the run of play, like Bye Bye Baby was against the run of play at the time. A year and a half, there was stepping outside of the square of actually what was happening. But Heaven East, as I said, and I did the, I did the harmonies on Heaven Is When Woman's Love. I was at home and it was probably one o'clock in the morning and I had this song going through my head all the time. And I'd done the lead vocal. So I went back down the studio and I sang the harmony. I thought, oh, that sounds all right. And then I sang another harmony. And then I sang another harmony. And I thought, oh, sounds like the Sons of the Pioneers, which is an old uh, country group. Then I thought, I'll listen back again. I pushed the wrong button and I erased one of the songs, one of the tracks that I'd done. And I thought, oh, so I, I did it again. I didn't think it was as good, but I did it again. And I thought, oh, I've had enough. And I went home. It must have been six o'clock. And um, I went back in in the morning and about 10 o'clock I, I was up in the office and the, the uh, technician said, you've left a uh, tape on the multi-track here, can I take it off? And I said, oh, hang on, I'll run down and have a listen. So I pushed the button and I thought, oh, oh, yeah, we might have something here. And of course, uh, that's when I got the call from Willisy. Yeah, funny history. There was nothing sort of madly planned, but it just came off. And that's a lot of records, I guess, a lot of people do. Um, I think A.C. Smith had little green apples. He wasn't going to do that in the studio. Oh, God didn't make little green apples. It don't rain in Indianapolis in the summertime. And there's no such thing as Dr. Seuss, Disneyland, Mother Goose is no nursery rhyme. God didn't make little green apples. It don't rain. Bobby Gentry did Ode to Billy Joe. I saw him at the sawmill yesterday on Choctaw Ridge. And now you tell me Billy Joe's jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. Mama said to me, child, what's happened to your appetite? a single bite That nice young preacher Brother Taylor dropped by today Said he'd be pleased to have dinner on Sunday Oh, by the way He said he saw a girl that looked a lot like you up on Choctaw Ridge she and Billy Joe was throwing something off the Tallahatchie Bridge. 
So they recorded three songs and she said, what about my song? And I said, oh, we didn't think it was good enough. We didn't do an arrangement for that. She said, what? No, we're going to do it. We've got time. So they did Ode to Billy Joe, any song that come out of that. So it's happened many times along the, the way with different artists and just the lucky break. Exactly. One of your biggest promotional successes was the Legends of Rock and Roll Tour that you mentioned before. Reminiscent of the Lee Gordon Big Shows circa 1989, you bring back acts such as the Everly Brothers, Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley and Jerry Lee Lewis to name a few. You're the compere of the show and you also perform some numbers throughout the show, including a medley of stars such as Elvis and Bill Haley. During the tribute to Roy Orbison that you do, your showmanship is at its best. You have 20,000 people hanging off every word and you have them eating out of, the, out of your hand. We'll have a listen to it, but it's, it's just fantastic. Maybe tomorrow funny show they were all different Bo Diddley Jerry Lee Chuck Berry the Everly Brothers Don wouldn't talk to Phil and Jerry Lee wouldn't talk to his manager and he wanted to fire his band that was a funny time yeah that was a funny time Jerry Lee I said to them um, his manager we're going to video this next uh, this next show so we're going to send the makeup artist into the for Jerry and he said Oh, man, when you talk to him, he ain't talking to any of us. So and then I said, Jerry Lee? I said, well, here we go, Jerry. The next one we're going to video. I'm going to send a make- makeup girl in because I want you to look pretty. You've got to pat him on the head and, and kick him in the backside at the same time. And I want you to work like you used to work when you were it. Yeah, Jerry Lee. And then Bo Diddley, he was different again. I had some funny stories about him and same with Chuck. There's a story in each of them. Yes, when you're sure. bigger, I'll tell you. 
one of your one of the biggest successes, and and for me as a music fan, it was just fantastic to see that the uh, the Australian artists got their kudos on the long way to the top concert series, and you were a big part of that as well. It must have been great being back on that stage, full twenty thousand seat audiences. That just must have been a, a highlight of your career. Oh, that was a special. That was a special. There's a few things that really stand out in your mind. I remember doing playing for the Queen Mother in Adelaide for a hundred thousand people. That's the first time I'd seen that many people. But um, as an indoor thing, that show with Billy Thorpe, who was Billy's idea actually, and we did we did it twice. We did two of those. They were just a heap of fun except that Billy and I would be the last ones out of bed every morning. Three o'clock, I say, Billy, we've done it again. We're the last ones left here. It's three o'clock. We've got a show to do tomorrow. Tomorrow night, we've got to get to bed early. Yes, yes, and we'd carry on. So we had, I got a lot of happy memories from that particular tour. It was very successful. Uh, we did take it out, or when I say we, Michael Chug and, and uh, our company took it out into the country when my sister decided we shouldn't go out in the country because it was at a bad time. There'd been no rain forever and there was no money there. So the money that they made in town, they blew it out of town because when you've got to move that amount of people, it's uh, it's pretty costly. But um, as for memories, I'm pleased that they've got it on video because it'll never come into You can't put anything like that together again because the single artists, if they're uh, big stars, you can never afford them on the one show. There are still a lot of shows similar to that being taken up now around the world. In England, um, the Mark Winters and all those people are doing little smaller type shows, but similar kind of ones, as they do with Bobby Rydell's works with sometimes with Fabian on those other people over there. So they're doing their smaller shows, singing the oldies and goodies. But long way to the top was we were able to get all those people together, the Paddies and the Diana Lees and the Lonnie Lees and the Cole Joys and all that, and Billy Thorpes, John Paul Young and all that. What a, what a line-up. Well, for someone such as myself who's, who's from a younger generation... I never got to experience you guys performing live and, and playing all your hits. So for someone like myself to sit in that audience, it was like I was transported back to the early 60s and I was sitting at Sydney Stadium watching the big show. So, you know, it was fantastic. Ah, music cleanses the soul of the dust of everyday life. That's one of the few things I remember from my piano teacher. It was <laughs> on his wall. But it's, as I said earlier, it's a great calendar and it, it uh, brings back your memories yesterday. It jogs that little thing, that little message bank up there and you say, wow, you remember the places it were, what clothes you wore, who your friends were, what dances you went to and uh, what movies you saw, all, all linked to music. Beautiful. And I've got a, a question here that's probably going to be a hard one for you to answer. What's your favourite Cold Joy song that you've, that you've recorded? Well, always your first song that got you on the ladder. It's hard to get on the ladder. After that, if, if you've got So a, are we talking 16 Candles or Bye Bye Baby? No, no. The first one that was successful for you, yep. um, uh, Bye Bye Baby, was you got on the ladder and you got hold of a rung. So now you've got a chance. Unless you get on that ladder, there's so many good actors and performers and, and singers that just can't get on that ladder. But we were fortunate to come up with Bye Bye Baby. And I guess as, as favourites, there are probably songs that will come up tomorrow, things I've never recorded that I think, oh, how can anybody write a song that good? But uh, things like Oh Yeah, Aha, uh-huh, more so than Clementine, and Heaven Is Where Woman's Love. But uh, I, don't, I don't have anything that's... 
sort of stands out except for Bye Bye Baby, even though it wasn't our best record and never sold as many records as the other ones. But um, still, it, it got us on that ladder. And uh, so that's always got to have a, a huge place in the heart of Cold Joy. One of my favourite songs of yours is one that, in my view, didn't receive the exposure that and the audience that it deserved. Take Me Back to Rock and Roll. This song is a, is a sort of a history lesson of, of yourself in a, in a three-minute pop song. What a great song. I think it's a good song. It was written by my nephew, actually, by Kevin's uh, son, David, who was a great guitar player. He, he was probably one of the best accompanist guitar players because he had more experience than most ever gets. Because with my shows, it was a bit like lightning. They never struck twice in the one place. So you had to learn it and follow it up. I went to see Willie Nelson just recently in New York, and Willie does funny bars. He does a 3-4 bar and a 5-4, and, and then he'll come in, and the bass player hangs off every word, and the rest of the group follow. Sometimes there's a beat or two behind, but they catch up. With my group, I, I was always fortunate. Uh, we always, the drums were always there. I was able to follow up, and David, who wrote Take Me Back to Rock and Roll, uh, played guitar on it, and as I said, uh, he was a good player.
Well, thank you very much for your time today, Cole. It's been fantastic. And thank you for the wonderful memories and the 60 years of music and and everything you've done for Australian music. You're an icon. You're a legend. I don't want to blow smoke up your butt, but you are are equal to Johnny O'Keefe. You are equal to anybody that's ever ever picked up a guitar, sung a note into a microphone in Australia, you are you are top shelf. And and again, thank you for, for everything that you've done. Oh, thanks, Sheldon. Well, the industry's been good to us and, uh, and I hope that uh, we've put a bit back into it. Uh, and remember, the best is yet to come. Well, that was the end of part two of Cold Join the Joy Boys. As I said at the start of this, couple of hours ago there was so much more I could have asked him so I'm gonna have to go back and ask because there's a a million questions that were popping into my head I'm sure they're popping into yours if you've got any more questions that you want Cole to answer hit us up at mycoast2 at bigpond.com thank you for listening and thanks to Cole for your time and thanks to Cole Joy and the Joy Boys for the music if you enjoyed the episode please click subscribe And if you could leave a review or rating at iTunes, that would be unreal. If you have any guest requests or suggestions, you can email me at mycoast2 at bigpond.com. That's M-Y-C-O-A-S-T, the number two, at bigpond.com. Or like our Facebook page at All Australian Music Stories. I'd like to thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. And until next time, hail, hail, Australian rock and roll. Hi, this is Molly. You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions. Written, produced and presented by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, Hit it, girl!